Repodcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. I'm Janet. And I think, I hope, we sound better than usual because we are recording in a real studio today. Yay. (laughs) Yay, who was that? Guess what? We're recording in a real studio because we have a very special guest. Uh, With us today is Kyle Marshall, the host of how many podcasts now? Three? Yeah, basically three. (laughs) We'll say three. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've got assumptions. Yes. Creative block and putting it together. I, I like that you put them alphabetically because that's what I usually do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's my uh, OCD brain. <laughs> yeah. You were very generous. Both of you were guests here recently on my podcast called Putting It Together, where we talked about the movie, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Because I'm normally talking about Stephen Sondheim and his lyrics, but I thought for kind of a special episode, I'd bring on some experts in movies. And uh, yeah, and now you've uh, returned the favor and I get to talk about probably as big of a classic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Kyle, welcome to Repodcasting. Yes, thank you so much. We're so we're so excited to have you. Oh, thank you. We're also so sorry that we made you watch this movie. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? It's interesting. Um, I can't wait to jump into it because I've been t- um, we've been talking before we kind of started recording here. There's so much to talk about this movie for a movie that is basically inconsequential. But <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Um, so this is our October episode. So uh, last year. We called it our So Bad It's Scary episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, And last year we did Geostorm. And this year, Janet had the amazing idea of doing the movie Little Italy. Yeah, I would have to say that, you know, after watching Geostorm, I thought that there was nothing that could compete with it in terms of scariness. But I think we found something. I think we succeeded. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely. (laughs) <laughs> Janet, I'm curious, is this a movie that you just picked out of the blue, or did you actually go out and see this movie and then decide we need to talk about it? No, I actually, uh, wa- I started watching this movie about a month ago. It's on, uh, it's on demand, mm-hmm. and just started watching it one evening and turned it off after half an hour because I just, I couldn't do it. I was like, this is just a steaming pile of excrement. I can't watch this. And so then um, Lucy and I had talked about this movie quite a bit. uh, And then I mentioned it to her that perhaps we should discuss this movie for uh, the October podcast for the So Bad It's Scary. And she agreed that this would be a perfect candidate. So I actually had to so then I went back and watched the whole thing, but I turned it off after half an hour initially. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Mm. If it wasn't for us doing this repodcasting <laughs> episode, I would not have made it past 30 minutes either. <laughs> I, I don't want to make this all about myself, but um, I'm going to make this all about myself for a second. No, I, what, what is the, actually the most aggravating to me is that I am so, I'm the guy who's like, Canadians can actually make great movies and we have such a great talent pool. And then this is like an example of a Canadian film that was made. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I understand like the, the idea that people have about Canadian film. And this is unfortunately one of those examples that 
uh, I have to fight against all the time. Yes, it feels like one of those uh, 80s cliched Canadian films from that time in so many ways. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I find fascinating is that this movie actually got funding from Telefilm Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it, it hits all the ear boxes, right? It has Canadian content. It has Canadian actors. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't check out on the director or writer if they're Canadian as well, but definitely they have they're, some Canadian content in this. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing that I found really glaringly just so disturbing about it as well. I mean, there were a lot of things, but with all the product placement <laughs> oh. in this movie. Do you was mean, there like, product placement in this movie? <laughs> I didn't notice. Do, do you mean this note that I have written down? <laughs> Apparently Starbucks must have helped fund this movie is right in here on my phone's notes. <laughs> well, clearly, never mind Starbucks. Sorry, what about Air Canada? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, they yeah, got yeah. a nice Oh, uh, my God. Card. I couldn't. I couldn't get over that. <laughs> um, the Starbucks was like grossly misrepresented, though, because they kept getting their names correct on the cups. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. <laughs> that's a good one. So um, as for the director, I don't know if he's Canadian. I didn't check that out. But it is the same director who directed Mystic Pizza back mm. in the 80s, I think. Um, yeah, that's an interesting fun fact, right? Yes. Because that was actually a good movie. <laughs> yeah. About well, a pizza I thought it place was. and starring Julia Roberts, the aunt of Emma, Emma Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So weird yeah. little connection there. Um, so but before the, we the, really, oh, really get into things, sorry, Janet, um, I just wanted to do like our little housekeeping things. So um, first we have uh, an iTunes review. This is our last one, people. So please, if you're listening, go put an iTunes review for us. <laughs> this one is called Making Bad Movies Better. And it's by Sense in the Six. Such a fun podcast. I love hearing your picks and your thoughts on all of the movies. Thank you, oh, Sense sweet. in the Six. Yeah. Uh, I think I know who that is. I think she's been a guest on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> I think she's I think she's related to us. <laughs> As most of our reviewers are. Thank you, family. <laughs> um so the other thing that we'd love to talk about before we really get into things is the box office, Janet. I'm so curious for this. Uh, you know that a movie is sketchy when you can't find the financials I knew it. Oh, no. on the internet. Like, really? <laughs> I don't know. The budget, I wish I could tell you what the budget of this movie was, but I searched, I did like some serious sleuthing and I could not find the budget. So I don't know how much it cost to make this movie. I have no idea. In regards to box office, Again, it was difficult to find the numbers. What I found, I'm not 100% sure if this is correct, but I found $990,000. So not even a million. It didn't even make a million dollars at the box office. To be fair to this movie, not that I'm going to speak much for praise for this, but uh, I don't know how wide of a release it actually got. Like, Was this just a Canadian release or did it get a North American release? I actually don't know. I have no idea. No. No, Kyle. It actually had an international oh, wow. release. Okay, well, that's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, like, this movie actually did very well in uh, South Africa <laughs> and in Hungary, those mm. two those two places. But it was released internationally. So um, that number, $990,000, that was, uh, like, gross. 
that I found. But again, it might be incorrect because I had a very difficult time finding any sort of financials on this movie, which is odd because that's not usually the case. Like mm-hmm. usually it, you could find it easily. So I know in the U.S. it was only in theaters for like a weekend, <laughs> uh, but it was on demand. So I don't know if on demand numbers count in those. I don't process. think so. Yeah. Video sales, like my guess is that's where it's going to make its money. But there's no way, like, again, I don't know what the budget was, but I don't believe that they recouped the money that they spent. I mean, they had a pretty extensive cast. Yeah. They had to pay those people. That's what's extra shocking is when you look at the cast list, like there are some decent names in there. Mm -hmm. How? Why? Why did they attach their names to this? Yeah. These actors, they were slumming it for sure. Oh, yeah. I guess like... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so curious. Like when you get, it, it might be even one of those things where like one person said yes and then everyone else kind of jumped aboard. It's like, oh, I want to work with that person. Because when you have like, I don't know, I'm a person of a certain age, so I actually know who Andrea Martin is. Uh, and, and I know who Danny Alio is, that sort of thing. So it's like, maybe they said yes because they were just like, oh, that'll be a fun like two week <laughs> thing I have to do in Toronto in the summer. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And at least their storyline was nice. Right. I'm baffled. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't seen this movie, you're with most of the population. Um, the synopsis is a young couple must navigate a blossoming romance amidst a war between their families competing pizza restaurants. Yeah. yeah. It's like That's a good summation. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet and pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This movie was made about 25 years too late. For sure. It's yeah, like this to me feels like this is feels like a movie that should have come out in like 1991. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was a throwback because uh, the, what I was going to lead off with is that you would think by maybe my outward personality that I would be like the person who doesn't like romantic comedies, and I'm anything but. I actually love a great romantic comedy. This is not a great romantic comedy. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe I even go more towards what they consider like the anti-romantic comedy where they subvert the expectations a little bit. So I was ready for that. I was like up for it. I was like, hey, I'm down for this. I'll see see where it goes. And it's like, oh, no, this is like a standard 1992 romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it it even almost has the look of, of mm-hmm. that, like the cinematography. It looks like an older movie yeah. i don't know and i mean the script is very poorly written in my opinion yes i would even go so far as to say that i don't necessarily blame the actors i i blame the script writers because they do them no favors they they don't allow them to try anything different or new and there is some bad dialogue that they force some people to say like just i don't know if anyone would be able to make it sound natural or real or anything like that yeah. Yeah. I definitely had a tough time recasting it because of that, because I'm right. like, nobody can make this good. Right. <laughs> but anyway, before we get into the recasting, uh, I think now would be a great time for a break. This episode is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The Girl Tries Life podcast is a fellow Alberta Podcast Network member and is all about showing that women are capable of anything when they have the right tools, strategies and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, a stress reduction coach who is all about helping you reduce your stress so that you can actually enjoy your daily life. Imagine that. In the Girl Tries Life podcast, we alternate between interviews with incredibly inspiring ladies who break down how they got to where they are and coaching episodes that leave you with tangible resources and skills for your own life. 
life isn't stressless, but we can help you stress less. So I hope that you'll check out the Girl Tries Life podcast. You can find it at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast. And remember, the most important thing in life is that you try. And we're back. I think what we'll do is we'll let our uh, esteemed guests go first in terms of our recasting. Do you want to start with Emma Roberts, who you chose to recast her with, Kyle? Yes. Okay. So there's a lot. Of, there's a bit of a buildup I have to give to this. So, and I don't know if you're like going to lead up to this. The biggest thing that I could not figure out, or the thing that bugged me the most, is when I started watching this movie. I was like, I was like wait. How old is Emma Roberts? Is she like way older than I think she is? And no, she's like in her early 20s. Right. And Hayden Christensen is almost 40. And I could not reconcile that. So I decided in my my imagination, like, I'm going to completely make up this uh, this movie as if it had an alternate timeline because (laughs) I'm going to make the the two leads to be about the, uh, the same age as I possibly could. And I wanted there still to be that Canadian element to it. So while oh. Hayden Christensen is Canadian, and so that was the, the Canadian of the two leads, um, I won't say yet, but the person I chose to replace Hayden <laughs> Christensen is not uh, Canadian. So I decided to flip it. So I decided, okay, I'm going to make someone who's about in their 40s uh, that would make the theme of this movie hit a little bit more, I think, because there are these two characters who would like uh, try to pursue their lives separately and then realize way later in life that maybe they do deserve each other or want to pursue each other. So I picked one of my favorite all time Canadian actresses, Sarah Polly. Oh, okay. Which I mean, growing up, she was, uh, Anne and wrote to Avon Lee. Of course, she has proven herself to be a phenomenal director of, of different movies and stuff like that too. Uh, I like her a whole lot. I think she's funny, charming, a great actress. I wouldn't want her to be in this movie because it's very bad. Uh, but if, if anyone could try and elevate the material, I thought Sarah Polly would be a good choice. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, Sarah Polly is way too good for this. Movie. She is. Yeah. But I see what you're trying to do, and I appreciate it, Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Janet? Who did you cast in the Emma Roberts role? Um, well, like Kyle, I was having a real problem with the timeline of this movie and the the obvious age difference between the two leads because Hayden Christensen is about 10 years older than Emma Roberts maybe a bit more he is almost 40 years old and the thing is he looks like he's he actually to me he looks like he's older than 40 in fact I'll go so far as to say that the guy who the actor who played um Emma Roberts's father, yep. Salvatore, mm-hmm. I think his name is Adam Ferrara. I thought that he looked the same age as Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I alone? Am I alone in this in thinking that they look the same age? No, I, I agree. I mean, I still think that Hayden Christensen looks good. Like, I don't think he's like decrepit or anything like that. No, but, but... I, I mean, when he came on screen, like that's a that's a thirty year old man. Like that, he is not. The age range that this movie is trying to get to me to be uh, no. 11 years older, apparently. I just looked it up. There are 11 yeah, years so difference between the two of them. I had a real problem with that aspect of it. And the other thing that the movie is really sketchy about is, you know, we don't really know how old they're supposed to be. Like, they've mm-hmm. gone off and 
starting their own careers and they've, you know, she moved away like five years ago. They keep saying that, but how old is she supposed to be? Are they supposed to be the same? Like they don't look the same age at all. So I went with someone who I thought, I, I don't know, she's a little bit older than Emma Roberts. And she's not Canadian. I selected Vanessa Hudgens. Mm. Do you guys know who she is? I do. Okay, so I'll just name off some of her credits really quickly for any of our listeners who don't know who Vanessa Hudgens is. So she's done a lot of film work. She was like in High School Musical for anyone who's a Disney fan. Uh, She's done Band Slam. She was in Spring Breakers. And she did this amazing romantic comedy last year on Netflix called The Princess Switch, for anyone who's seen that. But honestly, based on what I've seen of her work, like I really think that she is very skilled at doing romantic comedies. And I think that she would have done a better job than Emma. I am not an Emma Roberts fan at all. I think she has absolutely no talent whatsoever. Whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell no, I am really not feel. a fan. Of- <laughs> and I really feel that she has a career based on nepotism. I'm sure Aunt Julia has opened doors for her because, like, I really don't think she's talented. And she gets a lot of work considering her range, which is not much. I selected Vanessa Hudgens. I thought she would have been at least more charming in the role. Definitely. Vanessa Hudgens, I haven't seen a lot of her stuff, but I've seen her in a couple of those like live musicals that they've been doing recently. Um, she was, oh no, what's the character name? In Greece. Um, not the, yeah. one, the She played Rizzo. 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 Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> what is the name? Um, and she was the shining moment in that musical. She was really good. And then she was Maureen in Rent this year. And um, that also was like not a great musical, but she was great in it. So I, I like that pick. I think she's very charming and talented. And I have to agree with you 100% that Emma Roberts is just not good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. can't stand her. I'm sorry. I It's funny because like while watching this, I was like, why is Emma Roberts so bad in this? And then I started going through her credits and I'm like, oh, I've never seen her in anything. Maybe she's just bad. <laughs> oh, no, I've I've seen quite a few of her movies, even though I can't stand her. Like I've seen because she gets a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So she, to me, like, she was lacking charm. There was zero chemistry between the two leads. I agree there, yeah. Yeah, they seemed like they didn't even want to be there. Like, it was just sad. And she's not an unattractive person. Like, this is another example of, like, the quote-unquote bad Canadian film. They look terrible. And they're not bad-looking people, these Mm. two leads. But I don't know what it is. They just look awful awful in this movie maybe that's why they constantly have to say in the movie how good looking they are <laughs> I, I swear to god it was like 14 15 times like how good looking these people are like okay we got it like, yeah. <laughs> it goes back to the cinematography the look of this movie mm-hmm. yeah it's a mess i don't know well and also costuming and hair and makeup didn't do anybody any favors either mm-hmm. but anyway sorry to crap on everyone I also, um, I didn't think of going the older route, but I actually really like that you did that, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a list of like young Italian actors because I thought that they should all be Italians in mm-hmm. this movie since that's what they're playing. And uh, it was hard. There aren't that many that I've heard of. I don't know a lot of younger actors these days, but I did find one who I really like her. She's very charming. Um, and her name is Vanessa Murano. 
She was in Gilmore Girls. She played April Nardini. She was also mm. uh, the star in a show called Switched at Birth for like six years or something. But yeah, she I'm sure nobody listening knows her either, which is fine. <laughs> well, I've seen every episode of Gilmore Girls, so I, I oh, should know her. She's Luke's daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got you. I got you. Uh, she has grown up. And she's not annoying like she was in that show. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, she she's really, I don't know, I think she's a good actor. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't put as much effort into this as I normally do because this movie's a mess. <laughs> oh, no. I'll have to Google her. I'm not familiar with who she is. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, she was around the same age as Emma Roberts. And uh, what I did instead is I reduced the age of the Hayden Christensen character. Because if you think about it... 11 years between them. So in those opening scenes when they're lighting firecrackers, the girl looks like she's, what, 10? Yeah, yeah. He was 21. <laughs> like, right, do you know right. what I mean? It makes no sense. Yeah, so moving on to the Hayden Christensen role. Okay, so this is... <laughs> I feel I'm going to get some pushback on this one. So I tried to think, again, I, I, not that I want to give any good actors to be put into this movie, but I was starting to think... I, I tried to think of... Italians to put into the, the movie. I stopped trying because like I'm just trying to force this too much. <laughs> so I started to think about romantic comedies I like. And I would term 10 Things I Hate About You as one of my favorite basically romantic comedy updated about Shakespeare. And one of my all-time favorites, this is very much like an anti-romantic comedy, which is 500 Days of Summer. So oh, I'm going with yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And I thought that him oh. and Sarah Polly would play off of each other really well. They're around the same age. They uh, are good actors. So may I was like, hopefully, maybe they could elevate this material a little bit to make it palatable. Yeah. But again, it is, at the end of the day, uh, a fairly standard one. Um, yeah, I, I have loved Joseph Gordon-Levitt since uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've been watching him from that. And I never thought in a million years that the kid from Third Rock from the Sun would grow to be like a really great <laughs> dramatic actor. But yes. he's proven me wrong time and time again. So uh, I'm definitely a uh, JGL fan, as the <laughs> fangirls would say. I love that choice. I am a JGL fan. Yeah. And uh, 500 Days of Summer is one of my top five movies yeah. of all time. It's great. Nice. You know this. This I always. I often make fun of people who I find out go and see movies by literally going to the movie theater and then picking from the board and being like, "I guess I'll see this movie." Where me, I've like seen every trailer, so I kind of know, or not even every trailer, but I just have read up and I know what everything is. Uh, Five hundred days of summer was one of the very few times I was visiting Montreal. And I was like, I had some time to go like, I'll go see a movie. I walked in. I was like, I don't know what this is. I'll see 500 Days of Summer. And I was like, well, this is amazing. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's like yes. my very by accident saw that movie. That's funny. I saw it on a trip as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Janet, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. I like that pick. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorites as well. He's excellent. So Hayden Christensen, I mean, we've talked about him here on Repodcasting, especially last year when we did our Star Wars episode. And I actually want to ask Lucia a question because I remember she made a comment during that Star Wars episode that Hayden Christensen uh, was too pretty. Do you still feel that way looking at him, Lucia? Oh, poor Hayden Christensen. What happened? <laughs> I know we're really slamming him and his face here, but did you did you still feel that way while you were watching this movie that he's too pretty? No, it was entirely baffling the way that the women were reacting to him in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my it's favorite just... is the police officer sexually harassing right. him. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh my god! I know. 
I don't know. I get that they needed some Canadian people in this movie, but just watching this made me feel really sorry for him Mm -hmm. that this is where his career has gone to. It's unfortunate, too, because you if you do look at IMDb, his moviography is not the great like really not the greatest b movie c movies not that those can't mm-hmm. be fun but like i don't think there's a movie he's been in in the, like the last few years that's above a 5.1 or something like that no. like most of them are in the fours or the threes which is too bad i'm gonna be a bit of a hayden christensen apologist because as much as i did not like him in the star wars movies uh there's a couple of performances i've seen him that he's actually done fairly good with like there's shattered glass and um i'm a weirdly i like life as a house even though i know a lot of people don't like that movie but so it's not like I don't, I just think it's like, uh, it's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. You have to cast him in the right role or else he just sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. You know, the thing with Hayden Christensen is when you look at where his career started and where it is right now, mm-hmm. he had so much promise. And I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, I've seen him in a couple of movies like Life uh, as a House. I really enjoyed Shattered Glass. He does have talent absolutely but i don't know if it's the work that he's being offered or if it's the the choices that he's making i'm not sure but it was really disappointing to see him in this movie for me because it's like i think that he is so much better than this material and it made me feel sorry for him that like this is the kind these are the kinds of projects that he's he's doing now i don't know if it's out of necessity or what so um on that note uh i picked someone who was a little bit closer in age to uh Vanessa Hudgens and also someone who i think looks younger as well so i went with Justin Baldoni do you guys know who he is? I don't. No. So he's done some film work, but he's primarily known for his television work. Most recently, he was on Jane the Virgin. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that or if you're familiar with it at all. He was also on Everwood. This was We're going back quite a bit, but this was a, a TV show that was on the CW. And that was, like, I think, 2005, 2006. Uh, I used to watch that, so that's where I know him from as well. And he was also on a show called Happy Endings. Mm. What? Who was he on Happy Endings? He played Marcus. <laughs> the, the blank stare on Lucia's face <laughs> is great. <laughs> I guess. He must have been in like one or two episodes. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. uh, I know. <laughs> I didn't actually watch Happy Endings, but I know he was on it. Okay. From the work that I've seen him do, he plays the romantic lead very well. He's very skilled at it. So I think that he would have been much more likable and a lot more charming. And I would have liked to have seen the chemistry between him and Vanessa Hudgens. Well, I'll have to look him up. I'll have to watch his happy endings episode Mm -hmm. again. You know what? When you look him up, you'll, I think you'll recognize who he is. Probably. Yeah. As for me, I, uh, (laughs) this is going to be so embarrassing. So because I put the restriction of like wanting to have an Italian American or Italian Canadian actor in the role, it was very limiting. Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't have stuck with that, but the accents and the appropriation and like the stereotypes that were rampant in this movie were so upsetting that I was like, no, that's it. It has to be an Italian. So, um, I, 
went through a list and found someone whose name I had heard of and uh, who had some credits I've heard of, too. Although I've never seen this person in anything. Oh, great. (laughs) His name is Dylan O'Brien. Clearly, he's only half Italian. I was going to say, that's a very Italian name. (laughs) (laughs) O'Brien is very Italian. (laughs) So he is the star of the most recent Teen Wolf show. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he was also in the Maze Runner series. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, those did well, so... I'm assuming he's a good actor. <laughs> Sorry, I'm how so old is, phoning How old in. is he? <laughs> he's 26, the same as Vanessa, or would have been 26 at that time, same as yeah. Vanessa Morano. Yeah. Um, I, I know the face. That's about as much as I can say. Yeah. I know there's a huge fan behind Teen Wolf. I've never seen a single episode, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we're the demographic no, for Teen Wolf. we're not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know who that is either. I'd have to Google him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I saw the picture of his face, he certainly looked... Um, familiar and he was very cute so mm-hmm. i'll assume he's good in a romantic comedy <laughs> that's half the battle you just have to be cute so. <laughs> yeah oh exactly sorry about that <laughs> so uh moving on to the art the last character that we'll be recasting it's the Alyssa milano character of dora angioli mm-hmm. so i'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit uh last night as i was really honing in on my list i had to text lucia and say um who is Alyssa Milano in this movie? Oh no! <laughs> I was like, I mean, I still. How like, dare you? Well, I, I, I still because it's. I went to IMDb and it said like the name of the character. I'm like, I it's nothing to me. Literally means nothing to me. I don't know who <laughs> she was because I still remember her from Who's the Boss. Like that's just my mental image of who Alyssa Milano is. And right. so I was trying to make her fit into the movie. So when when she finally said it was the mother, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that all makes sense here now. So you have to remember that basically what is going on here, this is a nothing role. <laughs> like There's very little that she actually does. Um, but is a bit of, there's some comedy beats that, that she has to pull off. And going with my new casting rules where I like made everyone older, it would mean that we would have to have an actress at the very least in her 60s, roughly. So I went with Megan Mullally. I thought she would do a great little choice there. Oh, who She can do the comedies. I mean, Karen from Will and Grace is what she's known of. This is a deep cut, but I do a podcast about Broadway, which is uh, she was in the revival in the 90s, uh, was in Grease as well, which we talked about Grease. Not Rizzo, because that was Rosie O'Donnell in that version, but oh, wow. that was, Megan Mullally was in Grease. And I think she would be able to pull this off. I think that this movie would actually be improved a little bit with having the two leads and then really stuffing all of the bit players with like really good comedians. Um, because I think Danny Elio and Andrea Martin actually have a fun little B story that's going on in this movie, which yeah. weirdly I was way more invested in than what the two leads were doing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, uh, even though what is Andrea Martin has now done Italian, Greek, and something else. <laughs> And she's none of those ethnicities. It's always the same. Yeah, it's the same same accent accent every single time. I agree. It's like we need something vaguely foreign, so we're going to cast Andrea Martin in it. Yeah, (laughs) I uh, I wrote down Andrea Martin is in her usual role as ethnic relative. Yeah, no, it's true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I like that. So do I. she's excellent at comedy. Mm. Janet, how about you? The reason that we chose this role to be recast was that we were just so offended that they would cast Alyssa Milano as the mother of Emma Roberts. I mean, I don't know. Again, it's that whole age thing. And 
I mean, Alyssa Milano's in her 40s, but yeah, she's like know. just old enough. She would have been, I think, if you do the math, would have been 19 or something if she sure. was actually the mother. But yeah, I mean, it's plausible. Yes, she absolutely could be this girl's mother, but I don't know. She just, I just don't think she looks old enough to play the mother of someone who looks like she's almost 30. And also, you know what I didn't understand about this either was the movie does take place in Toronto. Toronto isn't playing New York or any other other city in this movie. And yet Alyssa Milano had a Long Island accent throughout <laughs> the whole movie. Maybe no one would, in Toronto yeah. <laughs> No one in Toronto has a Long Island accent. Or at least I've certainly never met any <laughs> Any Italians in Toronto that sound like they're from Long Island? I'm I'm almost wondering if this was. I want to know if this was at the script level supposed to take place in Toronto, or that was like in order to get funding, they just changed a couple of things and like recorded those lines after the fact because it feels like everyone is doing like a stereotypical New York Italian accent. I feel in this movie, yeah, Yeah, it's it's not just just Alyssa Milano because Hayden Christensen, who is Canadian, has a thick Long Island accent too. Yeah. But is that Long Island? Like, I don't even know what accent that was that he was doing. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. Like, when he says uh, that line, that's not oregano. Like, what? (laughs) What is that? That's not New York. That's not Toronto. That's I don't even know what that is. So I didn't get that because at first when I heard Alyssa Milano speak, I was like, oh, this movie is supposed to be taking place in New York. Mm-hmm. But then you see people paying in the in the pizzeria with Canadian money. Right, right. And Hayden Christensen and so I was, is wearing a Toronto Blue Jays shirt most of the time. Right. So I thought, no, this is supposed to be Toronto. So I don't know. Just that was really confusing to me. Anyway, I think that Alyssa Milano is better than this movie. <laughs> but a, I'm it's with the unfortunate Kyle. part where they. <laughs> uh, this is something that has been problematic in Hollywood. For, for decades at this point where actresses get to a certain age and then are all automatically like the mother character. Right. And it's just like, no, like I don't, <laughs> I don't buy this yeah. with Alyssa Milano. Yeah. That's like no. Diane Lane playing Ben Affleck's mother. Right. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Yeah. So in, I sort of went in along the same vein as Kyle where I wanted to cast someone who could maybe elevate the role a little bit, someone who has a bigger name um, and someone who is a little bit older. Uh, I mean, this actress looks great, uh, but she is older. So she might be more believable as someone or a, as the mother of someone who looks like they're almost 30 years old. So I went with Marissa Tomei. Oh. Mm, yeah. Great. And I mean, she's a great actress. She's done lots of comedy. She did my cousin Vinny, and she's also in the new um, Spider-Man movies, yeah. Aunt May where she plays Spider-Man. Aunt May. Yeah, so I don't know. I really like her work, and I think that she could have elevated it. You do realize, though, that I would have had just like the weirdest reaction if uh, Marissa Tomei had been cast in that role. Like, why is Marissa Tomei in this role? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, no, just as like. You're going to cast Marissa Tomei in this nothing role? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so I kind of did the same thing. I thought it should be somebody, like, a, a good chunk older than Alyssa Milano. I don't think Alyssa Milano was bad in this. I think she was working with what she had. Yeah, yeah. 
I actually liked, I think the only part that I kind of like giggled at was the two moms, Alyssa Milano and I don't know the other actress's name, when they would come out and pull a glass of wine out of a planter and chat. Right, right, <laughs> right. But anyway, so I uh, I went with Valerie Bertinelli. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's from One Day at a Time, the original one in, from 75. Mm-hmm. More recently, she's been in Hot in Cleveland and uh, many, many Lifetime movies as well. <laughs> she's a good choice. Yeah, I, I think that she she's not... Shakespearean, but you don't need that for this role. I think she's no. fun and she's cute and like I think she would have like she has like a sweet demeanor and I, I think she would have done a great job in this role. So, I like it. Yeah, I like I like that. So yeah, those are our, our picks. I mean I'd love to say that we made the movie better. And I mean I think we all did make it better, but I don't think there's any fixing this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard. And I like I said, I think it all starts at the script level. I mean, there's yes. the cinema sin in many ways of them doing that stupid voiceover at the very beginning. <laughs> and I'm not like 100% like always opposed to voiceover, but it's like this is adding nothing. Like you could literally just show me this in like <laughs> 30 seconds and I understand what was going on. The other big thing, and this like every movie does this, which is like they portray... <laughs> They portray smoking weed as if you're getting drunk. And I don't get it. In a movie that was made in 2018, that it's still portraying weed as if it's like, I'm like, I'm incapable of like, (laughs) like these horny old women are like, (laughs) like groping people. Like, no, that's not, that's not what it does. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And jumping up on tables. Yeah, Yeah. It just seems so bizarre to me that that is the plot point that you decided to go with. Yeah. Again, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lucia. Well, I was just going to say, did you see that pile of weed? That was like thousands of dollars for a prank. Yeah, that whole weed thing. I was really like, I'm with Kyle. Like, I didn't understand what was going on because at first I was like, oh, did they put ecstasy or or cocaine in the, the sauce or whatever? Like, what's going on? And then when you realize that it's weed, it's like, that's not what happens when you smoke weed. Can I tell you my favorite line from the entire movie that sums up this point? (laughs) So there's this whole thing where they go and like one of their first dates is that they're cooking for each other, like standard romantic comedy fare. Great. That's all right. That's all fine. And then he takes her up to the roof to show off this garden of like spices and stuff that he's making. Okay. (laughs) And he's like, so it's this garden. And then he turns to like, it's organic. I'm like, well, I'd hope so. Like, what? How do you have a non-organic garden? It's like that kind of stuff. It just like drives me up the wall. It's like there's no one. There was like no second pass on this script to make sure things were actually making sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, you know, the more we talk about it, and the more I think about it, every single beat of this movie is 15 years behind. Yeah, or the even this is even a worse sin. That scene where they're all in the airport, right? So it all culminates in the airport, and they're running through oh, the airport. God. And then he goes up to this random woman and says, "Nikki," it's like, "A, not the same haircut, not the same thing she was wearing. <laughs> like, how in the world did you think that was the person you were looking for?" But you can't go by what she was wearing because this is also another moment that makes zero sense. So she's in a chef's jacket, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and then she gets into a cab. With her little bag, and then she's at the airport in this like frilly pink thing, and she had to stop and change somewhere. Hayden Christensen jumped on a bike like almost immediately after she left. 
none of the timing made sense. And then, of course, they get right up to where she's passing security. You can't see that part. No, I know. It's, it's like, it's again, it's, it's like, this is 2018. Like, uh, yeah, 9-11 was many years ago. There's no way you're getting yeah. that far in. Yeah, it's true. It, there there was one line that I wrote down that this was my favorite line in the movie was after Emma Roberts and Hayden Christian, their characters, after they, they spend the night together, like when they actually have sex. And she says, I've really enjoyed our tryst. <laughs> like the dialogue, who wrote, you're, you're watching it and you're like, that's, I mean, even in romantic comedies, that's not how people speak. Right, right. It was just awful, the dialogue. Oh, it was unbelievable how terrible it was. And there was a a scene, it's towards the end when they're doing the, the pizza challenge or whatever at the end. And I think it's after Emma Roberts takes off in the taxi and they're all looking for her. Alyssa Milano's character, she has a rosary in her hand. I know. I noticed. Did you that. notice that? Yes. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> she prayed. I think for that was the only part. That was the only part of the movie that I think I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> She's at like some outdoor cooking competition, and she took a rosary with her. Oh, Oh, like the whole thing, it's you have to question all of these choices that they made. Mm -hmm. It's like, who did an adult write this script (laughs) or someone in grade eight? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's really, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, I I bet that the adults who wrote this, it was an Italian man from Montreal and uh, a Canadian Indian man. So those are the two writers. I bet they wrote it 15 years ago. <laughs> mm, I don't might know. Have, could I, have. Like, Maybe. It just... Anyway, that's the only way that it would make any sense to me. Um, but since we're talking about favorite lines, my favorite line was when Hayden Christensen said that he delivered a pizza to Mrs. Rossini. <laughs> from Who the heck? Boss. Oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it was an in-joke because it was filled with all these dumb little jokes like that. My least favorite line was Alyssa Milano brings like a case of gum to her husband and he says, take the gum, leave the cannoli. Oh, no, sorry. She brought the cannoli. And he said, take the gum, leave the cannoli. And my eyes rolled so hard they fell out of my head. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's the the Godfather reference that we need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe maybe both of you can explain to me this thing it's not necessarily a plot hole but it was like i couldn't wrap my head around the 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 central conflict is that they can't i guess be together but i don't see how both of their goals couldn't be solved with her them both moving to england yeah really like it just is like, it's like well i have to go to england it's like well i can i can't possibly go to england with you and open up my restaurant there that i want to open up it's like i don't yeah. i don't understand why it has to be the other way around. It's like, you need to move here so that I can open up my restaurant and then you can help me open this restaurant. It's like, yeah. but she's the, she's the classically trained chef. I don't get this. Anyways, it, it, she, it felt weird to me. Yeah, and she had this amazing opportunity right. and turned it down. to And like when her, when Jane Seymour, poor Jane Seymour, yeah, why know, is poor she Jane in Seymour. this? Poor Jane Seymour. 
Um, when she tells her near the beginning of the movie, you need to go home to Canada. Emma Roberts looks so uncomfortable. She goes and arrives. She doesn't even see her family the first day. Like she seems like she just doesn't want to be there at all. And in the end, she gives up her in amazing opportunity to stay in a place that she doesn't really want to so that her boyfriend can open a pizza restaurant. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that, like, that's the end of the movie. Yes. Well, the, what I didn't understand was they kind of, it doesn't make sense. Her character has been away f- for five years, hasn't visited her family in five years. Mm-hmm. And yet we're supposed to believe that she's very close to her family yeah, and I that she has it. like this great relationship with them. And yet she doesn't want to be there and she hasn't visited them in five years. Yeah. So it like, it was all these plot holes. Like there was nothing cohesive about it at all. Yeah. And uh, what I consider a cinema sin for this movie and so many romantic comedies is when um, all the people and entire communities in some case are obsessed with the actions of these two people. Right. Why <laughs> did the entire bar go outside to watch these two people square off against each other in soccer in the rain? The bar was left unattended. I guarantee there was no alcohol in that bar after they came back. <laughs> because that's what people do here in Toronto, Lucia. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And uh, the other part that I loved was at the pizza making competition. They like, did you see that crowd? They were on the edge of their seats. They were more excited than most people watching like a basketball game were. <laughs> That's why I hear. I hear you go to these raptor celebrations, and then right after, yeah. it's like the, the the who makes the best spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like th- this is how this is the culture in Toronto. This is how we live in Toronto. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So um so the only fun fact I'm going to use fun in quotations uh, that I found is that Hayden Christensen actually twisted his ankle during that uh, soccer scene, soccer in the rain scene. Oh wow! Okay. Oh god! Yeah. Because he's because he's an old man. <laughs> yeah. He didn't do his stretches first. Yeah, but it's like as if that scene probably like it was probably so miserable as it was. For I have the to actors. say, and and like, there is no reason for there to be rain in that scene. Like, not really. So it's like. What a miserable shooting day that must have been of them drenched in rain, <laughs> playing twists soccer, his twists his ankle. like, And they had to shut down production for a week because of it. Mm-hmm. That's a cinema sin for me is when they throw like rain into a, a romantic comedy because that's that happens a lot. Like romantic comedies will have a rain scene mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, the, they just get drenched and... I've never understood, like, I'm totally, you know, the logic police here, but I've never understood how how that fits into a romantic comedy. Yeah, and then they didn't even get to kiss in the rain. Right. (laughs) Like, if you're going to do it, at least do it right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't have any fun facts either. Um, I do remember when the movie was filming here in Toronto. Um, it was in 2017 and it was a big deal. Like there was, there, there were constantly like little updates online on uh blog TO, like there were always like little, like photos and, and all the sorts of stuff go- did, coming from the set. Yeah. Did they film it in Little Italy in Toronto? 
they filmed some of it in Little Italy, but a lot of it was filmed in the distillery district, which is nowhere near Little Italy. <laughs> of course. There, there is a Calgary yeah. connection in this movie, which is the uh, oh, really? the role of Luigi is played by Andrew Fung, who is from oh. Calgary. He actually, can I just say my claim to fame, he taught me improv at Loose Moose Theater. Oh, no. Sorry. Hundred percent. So, Loose Moose Theater is this improv theater here in Calgary, uh, fairly well known in the in the improv circles because a lot of famous Canadian improvers started here and then like moved to Second City and then beyond, sort of oh. thing. Uh, so, I took some classes there, and he taught me those classes. So, oh, I yeah. I knew him sort of for for a little bit, and then now, of course, he's probably most famous because he's in Kim's Convenience, which is a fairly popular CBC show. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, he's in this. Uh, as the character of Luigi. <laughs> yeah. That's have, incredible. So, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I have a, like, less of a connection to him as well, but um, he has, he's a good friend of the Calgary International Film Festival. Right, yeah, because he does a lot of the uh, the panels, like, uh, speaking and talking, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he does so, that a lot at the, uh, um, the uh, oh my gosh, Cuff? the Comic-Con, the Comic-Con oh, that happens here. So then how did you, how did you enjoy his, uh, his role in this, Kyle? Like, it, considering I mean, that you, you know him. I think it's fine. Like, again, it's like no, no actor comes out of this looking great. I mean, I think he's trying his absolute best that he can, that he can possibly do with the, the little material that he has. I will honestly say that there were some funny parts that I thought he was in. I thought he, I think that probably that was mostly of his own creation. If I could. <laughs> figure it out just based on the the bloopers that they show during the credits mm-hmm. um but uh I, I i kind of knew about this movie for a while just because i follow him on like instagram and other places so i saw like set videos and stuff like that while it was being made so i, I kind of knew tangentially what it was about uh and then i saw a trailer i was like i've never seen that movie <laughs> and then i saw a movie for you <laughs> Um, Little did you know. Yeah, that's right. His um, dramatic storyline was so out of place. In I this think movie. so too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand what they were trying to do as far as like making like this connection between him and the Hayden Christensen character, but it's like you you need to have a lot more backstory or seeding of that storyline instead of it just being dropped all of a sudden and then being like, okay, well that's resolved. Yeah, instead of it just yeah. being like. This is Luigi, and we're like, that's Luigi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, at the end, boom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I don't think it was his fault, but I did not really. I felt bad for him, like as I did for most of the people I saw in this right. movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was also like, well, I don't want to dwell on this, but it had pretty bad racial slurs too. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah it's the, odd. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah, ethnic- it's a whole mess. Oh. Yeah, the ethnic stereotypes were um, horrible. They really were. Again, like, that's why I think it felt so dated, like something that you would have seen in the 90s, because, you know, we weren't as aware or sensitive or I don't know, whatever word you want to use. But they just, those stereotypes were horrible. And, you know, you're watching this, it's 2018. It's like, no, this. it, uh... it was hard to watch. Yeah, this movie was released in the same month that Crazy Rich Asians was. Right. Just like for an example. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, is there anything else that you guys want to throw in about the movie? I don't have anything in my notes, no. Well, I think, you know, the fact that it is a Canadian production and 
I don't know, there there seems to be like this attitude, oh, Canadian movies are often laughed at because the quality maybe isn't that great or whatever. And I think this plays into that sort of idea yeah. because we're capable of better work than this. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I want there to be this like robust industry available in Canada. And then when this gets released, it almost like makes it two steps back and before we can take another step forward because it's like is telefilm or any of these other industry or agencies willing to put up more money for a film that can't gross a million dollars i don't know i have no Uh, idea yeah actually i'll bet that they funded it well i wonder if the in terms of the process if they already had the names and they're like well because of these huge names this movie is definitely going to make money sure we'll fund it Mm -hmm. yeah it could be something like that yeah, I don't know. Like the thing with Hayden Christensen is that he, worldwide, maybe people don't think much of him, but here in Toronto, here in Canada, he's still a pretty big deal, especially here in Toronto. I mean, I remember three years ago, four years ago, maybe, he had a film that came to the Toronto Film Festival. And do you know what? I actually went to the premiere and I can't remember the name of the movie. Oh, no. Because fun fact, I actually know Hayden Christensen's family. What? Yeah, I do. So I was invited as a guest to go to the premiere. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it now. But he didn't get a small venue at TIFF. Like they gave him, uh, it was the Princess of Wales Theater. And yeah, and it was jam packed. Like it was full. And this movie didn't even end up being distributed. It didn't get picked up. Like they weren't able to sell it to a distributor. But the turnout for him, it was just unreal. So he still is very much a celebrity here in Toronto. He still is able to sort of draw out large crowds. So I wonder if that had anything to do with the movie. I don't know. It might have. Was it American Heist? The movie went and saw? Yes. Yeah, that was it. American Heist. Yeah, Adrian Brody's in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how have I not seen this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, I wish him the best. I don't think he's as bad an actor as a lot of people seem to think he is i just i feel bad i i don't know why his career has taken the turn that it has maybe he'll do this like the the keanu reeves thing where he does (laughs) in my opinion a bunch of bad movies and then has this like really weird late career renaissance where he's in everything and everyone loves him i would like that (laughs) i feel like he needs to do he needs to do television. He needs to mm. do a quality project on television. And I feel like that would help his career. Yeah. Listen to us. We're all, we should yeah. all be his agents. Or, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would love to see him do TV, like a prestige project on TV because TV is, there's so much great work happening right now yeah. on television. And I feel like, there has to be a place for him, or at least I wish there was. Just a bit okay. part on Big Little Lies or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the ratings that I found for this movie are about what you'd expect. The IMDb critics rating is 28%, and the Rotten Tomatoes rating is 19%. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so, I saw that. Yeah, but what's interesting to me is, so those are the critic ratings. The audience ratings on those sites are much, much higher. Like, it's 64% with Rotten Tomatoes audiences. Mm-hmm. 
it's an interesting thing. Uh, audiences are weird when you when you pull them <laughs> with this sort of information because there's the I think they call it the cinema score, which they will pull audiences usually on opening weekend to see how like a movie is being received. And like, yes, A plus and A are like, okay, we got probably a hit on our hands because people are going to start to tell their friends. But like a B plus is considered bad. So anything lower than that is considered really bad. (laughs) So it's so it's weird. Those ratings, it's like it was fine. Like saying fine is like a B and it's like, like we this is not going to be good. But yeah, I think general audiences, to be honest, are just going and wanting to have a fun time. And maybe people can walk off the street and have a fun time with this. Because I've seen more than two movies in my life, I, <laughs> I can say it's like, um, man, there's I can give you like literally ten better romantic comedies than this. Yeah. Oh yeah. In it's interesting that you say that about audiences because I actually, when I was doing some research, I found quite a few reviews that people had written that they they loved this movie. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was reading these and I was like, these have to be fake. But there were so many of them that I thought, no, these are actual people that have watched this movie and have actually taken the time to write these glowing reviews. So I don't know. We've we've done this once before on repodcasting and didn't get a reply, but I really, really want to reply. If you are listening... If you saw this movie, actually, if you're listening, if you saw this movie and liked it, you're probably not still listening to this episode. But (laughs) if you are and you liked it, please email us. I really want to know what parts you enjoyed, what what you liked about it, because I'm just curious. (laughs) Please also state if you're employed by Starbucks or Air Canada. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. So before we go on to our next break, I just have one more thing that I uh, forgot to say before. So this is a line that Jane Seymour had to say in this movie. Oh, no. Is there a penis more pressing than my menu? <laughs> Does she say that at the end when she's a guest at the at their restaurant? No, it's when she calls. I think it's the FaceTime call, yes. I think, in the, in the taxi. Yes. No, on the rooftop because the rooftop, she's yeah. like, your oh, hair God. is messy. Your hair looks like you just had sex. Her hair looked fine. <laughs> like no, nobody would say that. But yeah, that's what she said. Is there a penis more pressing than my menu? Oh my gosh. I missed that part. Yeah. It was probably, that was when I fell asleep. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Repodcasting is brought to you today by Alberta Health Services, and they have a very important message to pass along. We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. I would definitely go to emergency if I broke my arm. If you stopped breathing or something's really wrong. If you had a cold, you should probably just go to a doctor and not into the emergency. Or a clinic. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. Okay, and we're back with our last and my favorite segment of the show. Hold me close, young Tony Danza. Yay. (laughs) It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. The segment where we recast Tony Danza into one of the parts of this movie. 
I'm pretty sure this is not hard. <laughs> well, probably not because I think there's some obvious ones. I went with a completely out of left field because I'm like, oh, everyone's going to probably pick some of the roles that I can think of that Tony Danza could be slotted into very easily. This would, of course, be a total reworking of this film and would also oh, no. take away some of the racial diversity in, in the film, too. <laughs> I thought it would be a fascinating take to have him play Luigi. So, uh, if you're going from another like uh, Italian type of film, if we go to like the original Rocky, and you have Mickey being like the guy who's like encouraging Rocky to like pursue his dream, I thought that uh, Tony Danza could be like this old grizzled bartender guy giving advice, and I thought that would be such an interesting take at the end to be like, hey, I am also homosexual. I'm also a gay man. I also had these struggles. Now, if you could see that a little bit more throughout the movie and have that be a better payoff, that'd be great. (laughs) But yeah, the the joke about him being like a a, a Korean Canadian and then being called Luigi because he got kicked out of his house by his parents. Right. I thought could be translated to uh, an Italian man being kicked out by his parents many many decades ago right. and still being able to give this life advice to this new kid that he wants to see succeed. So I thought it would be an interesting take if Tony Danza played Luigi. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. That's that's very creative. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Janet? Well, you know, I put him into a predictable role. Now I, I'm almost embarrassed <laughs> because Kyle came up with something so ingenious. So I cast him in the role of Salvatore Angioli, who played Emma Roberts' father, that character. Oh, yeah. Because in all seriousness, I don't understand why they didn't ask him to be in this movie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, who knows? Maybe they did and he read the script. <laughs> I don't know, because, I mean, if I were a filmmaker and I was making this type of film, I feel like he would be such an obvious choice to ask him to be in a movie like this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think he would have been great in this movie. That's awesome. But do you... Okay, so that's the character that's married to Alyssa Milano, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we just have a a bigger issue there, too. But okay. that would be so disturbing. That for would be so, oh my well. gosh! That would be so disturbing on so many levels. Now that I think about that, no, no, that can't happen. <laughs> You've turned it into a horror film. <laughs> I, well, that's the idea. That's the that's the title of this this episode. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you, you know that based on the quality of this screenwriting, there would have been a line if they did cast him where he actually turned to Alyssa Milano and said, "I'm your boss." <laughs> Oh, no. And I would have turned the movie off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I watched this. um, I'm not going to lie. When Kyle texted me yesterday and said, which one is Alyssa Milano? I was like, oh, no, we're recording tomorrow and I haven't watched the movie yet. (laughs) So uh, I watched half last night and half this morning. This movie made me late to work today. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. That is appalling. But anyway. I thought you were going to say, I lost my job today because of this <laughs> no. movie. It's like, oh, oh don't do that. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so uh, I was rushing. I'm not going to lie. And uh, I initially wrote down, Tony Danza should play whichever character is Alyssa Milano's dad. But then I realized that it's not her dad that's in the movie. It's her mom. So I cast him as Carlo Campo, which is the Danny Aiello role. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, he'd be dating Andrea Martin, which would be fun to see. And uh, she's like 10 years older than him, which also would be fun to see. Him going for an an older lady. And 
Andrea Martin looks fantastic. Yeah, for her age, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I, I put the, I'm the only one who put like a creepy spin on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's okay. That's all good. That's one really, that's to be creepy. <laughs> yeah, that shows the darkness of my, my true character. Your, your, your version of Little Italy's trailer would start off by like a, a creepy lullaby being sung slowly by kids where a calliope is playing in the background <laughs> or something. <laughs> And then you see Tony Danza walk out arm in arm with Alyssa Milano. I'm like, no. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, you know, we tried. We tried. We tried so hard. Do you think that this, that the script is at all salvageable? Like if there was, are we working on this a little bit? Could this be made into at least a good movie? Maybe not a great movie. Or is it like, no, this is something that would have to be completely like burned down and rebuilt up. Lucia, why don't you answer that first? Sure. I'll say this. The concept of it, like a modern-day Romeo and Juliet pizza place, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the way that the script and the casting and everything about it is as is, it needs to be burned to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Janet, what do you think? Yeah, see, I think that this could be saved if it had a complete reworking. And, yeah, because the concept of it, is fun. You know, this person moves away and then she comes back. Sure, it's a perfect romantic comedy, but it needs a different script. It needs to be completely reworked. Absolutely. But the the concept, I mean, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. Oh, thank you. I had like, a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad. Thanks, Kyle. We we're sorry we made you watch this. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but it was a it was a shared experience. Yeah, it's like it's like I, we've gone to war with each other. We have that, <laughs> we were, that shared experience. We were in it together. Yeah. <laughs> If uh, people want to find you online, where can they do that? You know, the probably the easiest way, I'm on every social media platform at the Kyle Marshall. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. As far as like listening to other stuff that I do, you listed off a bunch of podcasts at the very beginning. I would say probably the one that is like the most relevant to the listening audience here is putting it together, which is the podcast where I'm going through the entire body of work of Stephen Sondheim. So if you know who that is, come on over and listen to my podcast called Putting It Together. Even if you don't know who Stephen Sondheim is, listen to Putting It Together because you are you just do such a brilliant job and you have so much uh, enthusiasm for it that it's completely infectious. <laughs> I'm the only person. It is. I'm serious. I'm, thank you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the only person who said, you know how I'm going to spend my time talking about a composer that like 90% of people don't know. but. <laughs> Well, you got me to watch West Side Story for the first yeah. time. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, okay. And so as for us, we're repodcasting on all the social media stuffs. And um, you can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. And um, again, if you liked this movie, please email us. I really want to know why. <laughs> I would like to know why, yeah. too. <laughs> um, I agree. If, if you enjoyed this movie, please reach out to us and tell us exactly why. Tell us what you liked about it. Yes. Um, so that's it for us this month. Thanks, Kyle. And thanks, Janet. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Kyle. And we'll see you next month. Oh, wait, have we picked a movie for next month, Janet? It's a surprise. Mm. <laughs> yes, it's a surprise. <laughs> thanks. See you. Bye. Bye.